0: Oh, well, good morning, everyone watching online. Wow, it is um, an honor to be with you this morning. I'm not going to lie. This is the, I walked in quite emotional this morning. This is the first time that I, uh, I've i been in the building since we went into our second lockdown uh, th- three weeks ago, I think, and uh It was quite emotional. I mean, I just, I bawled my eyes out when worship started. Sandra came over um, and just prayed. And, you know, she was just saying, you know, there's a level of grieving that we need to, that, you know that we need to do that we can't gather in person and it definitely felt like grieving (laughs) Um, and on top of that this week our teams were um, filming and producing some pretty awesome stuff that's going to come out this month and so on top of that you know the place is still getting fixed up from that and so it just looks a bit like oh I I, yeah just had a cry this morning here in worship just missing you all grieving the fact that we are not gathering Um, but you know worship started and that's the Beauty of worship, the um, hope comes back because we fix our eyes on Jesus, and so I felt a level of hope after that. But um, we miss you so much. Um, yeah, like Sandra said, my name is Mel. I am the youth pastor here along with my husband. It's been four years. We're in our fifth year now. It's been an awesome ride. Um, this month. Our theme is called Welcoming Jesus, and so, you know, this is the month that we celebrate Christmas, that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. We look at all the Christmas stories, and, um, you know, we want to welcome Jesus with our hearts, with our lives, internally and outwardly, um, with intentionality. And by welcoming Jesus, we just mean, um, hey, Jesus, I see where you are, I see what you're doing, I hear what you're saying, Um, I see it, and I accept that. And I not only accept that that's you, but I um, surrender my life to where you are, what you're doing, what you're saying, and then Not only surrendering, but then drawing near to Jesus as Jesus is drawing near to us. And then saying, you know what? I'm going to grow in an intimate relationship with you, Jesus. That um, I'm growing my understanding of who you are, and I'm growing in experiencing who you are. Um, And and getting to know him personally. And then making my life, having my setting my life up so that I can host Jesus. in my As if you're hosting someone in your living room, I want to host Jesus in my life. And then I want to partner with him. I want to partner with him and go where he's going and say what he's saying. Being so in step with him through the Spirit. That is all welcoming Jesus. Seeing him, accepting him, surrendering to him, hosting him, um, partnering with him, drawing near to him. That is all welcoming Jesus. And this is a month where we focus on the birth of Jesus. And so um, I'm starting off, Brian, th- this theme for this month. And uh, I want to look at a part of the Christmas story that we, um, it's a part of the Christmas story, but we... Uh, we don't always focus on it. And so I figured, do you know what? It's, it's the first Sunday of the month. So you know what I can do? Um, I can do this, but I want to look at John the Baptist. So the conception of John the Baptist is part of the Christmas story. Um, Elizabeth and her husband, Zachariah, Elizabeth is a relative of Mary, most likely an aunt. She's an elderly woman. And, um, Gabriel comes to her husband, Zachariah in the temple um, and basically says, your wife's going to conceive. I've heard your prayer. Your wife is going to conceive. And that is John the Baptist. And um, it's a great story. And so I want to talk about John the Baptist this morning because the rest of this month is going to be looking at Jesus and, and, and setting ourselves up to welcome Jesus. But John the Baptist played a very key role in this story. Um, his whole life, he, his life was ordained by God for a very specific purpose that um, I want to talk about this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to uh, Luke chapter 3. But I'm just going to pray really quickly. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are here in our rooms, and our living rooms, through the screen that we're, as we're listening. Thank you that you are touching our hearts. And Holy Spirit, we want to be people. We want to be a people that welcomes Jesus in our lives. We want to be people that um, recognizes Him, surrenders to Jesus. And God, we want to be people that not only incorporates Jesus in our lives, but give our entire lives to Jesus. We don't want to just say, um, Jesus, c- come come alongside me. You know, I'll accept you when it fits with my agenda or when it's comfortable or when it makes sense. But Jesus, we want to give our entire lives to you. And so, Jesus, I pray that w- that you come, Holy Spirit, come speak to us, convict our hearts so that we can be a people that set our lives up to welcome you. We, want to, we don't want to just incorporate you into our lives. We want to surrender our entire lives to you, whether it makes sense or doesn't, whether it fits, whether it's comfortable or not. Jesus, I pray that, you know, all of the, the worthless things that we focused so much attention on, that you would reveal that to us so that we can look at and have our attention on the only one who found worthy, and that's you, Jesus. Amen. All right, I needed to pray. <laughs> um, okay. John the Baptist. All four Gospels in the Bible talk about John the Baptist. Obviously the Gospel of John, not John the Baptist, the Gospel of John has a very different take on the story as with the rest of the Gospel of John, um, but they all talk about the Gospel of John. In the in the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke is the only gospel that talks about the conception and birth of John the Baptist. It's an awesome story. Um, I just want to encourage you guys, for the last three years, I have spent my December reading the Book of Luke as part of Advent and, uh, you know, le- the preparation period leading up to the celebration of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So if you want something to read this month, read the book of Luke it's an awesome book um, and and so Luke gives does a lot gives a lot more attention on the birth and the events surrounding the conception and births of John of Jesus of leading all up to that and it has all the awesome stories of the Archangel Gabriel visiting and so when you open up to the book of Luke just so you guys know it from the last book of the Old Testament Malachi There's about 400 years between Malachi and then when John is conceived and when Gabriel comes on the scene and Jesus is conceived and is born. About 400 years of relatively silence from God. And it was about 500 years before that that we see Gabriel visiting Daniel. Um, during the reign of Persia. And so, you know, Gabriel for 500 years is not showing up. And then out of nowhere, boom, Gabriel shows up to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds. And he's like, okay, he's been put to work. And so, you know what? There are promises all throughout the Old Testament of Jesus coming, of Jesus showing up. Um, but, you know, how many of you guys know, I know for sure, I know you guys know that there are promises of God, there are yeses to prayers of God's people, but there's always a time period of waiting, and it's in that waiting, in that journey, where God is doing a lot in the hearts and minds of people. And I heard, I've heard this quote so many times. I don't even know who said it because I've heard it from many different places. But God offends the mind to reveal the heart. He offends our minds to reveal our hearts. And you know what? All it takes is for you to think about when's the last time I've been offended by a person, by a church, by a leader, by a friend, by a family member. Oh my goodness, the question is, God, what is that revealing in my heart that I need to work through? And so that is what God is doing. So Gabriel shows up on the scene and uh, starts off with, you know what, John is a precursor to Jesus. John is a, what we say a forerunner. A forerunner is the person that comes before the person who's supposed to come. So John is a messenger. He is the one who's coming with a message to say, hey, someone is coming, and you got to get ready. Now, God ordained the life of John to be a forerunner, to be a messenger, to say, you know what, the Son of God is coming, King over all the earth forever and ever. He's coming, and get ready. So why did God need that message to come beforehand? Well, first of all, people weren't ready. (laughs) You know, being prepared to welcome Jesus, um, if God is saying get ready or get prepared, obviously we're not ready or prepared. So there was a level of preparation that the people needed to, in order to receive Jesus, um, and we know at the end of the day a lot of people didn't and a lot of people did. And so, but this message is so important. Does God need a forerunner? Like, does He need it? Essentially, no. But God partners with us he partners with humanity to say i'm going to bring my word into the earth and i want to partner with you so that you can be my messenger that you can be a forerunner that you can partner with my word and prepare the hearts of people and so at the end of the day the message of john was a message of baptism and repentance baptism in repentance into repentance and so god is saying you know what and I'm going to talk about repentance for the rest of this morning. So, um, but God is saying, repentance welcomes Jesus. Repentance is what you need to do to prepare yourself for My Son to come. Repentance is absolutely necessary to receive Jesus, and that was the message of John. Now, repentance is a question of the heart and the mind, something that God can influence, something that God can speak to, but he can't physically change himself because of the gift of free will. We know that from the Bible, and so you know what? There is a need for forerunners. um, For John in his day and age, and for us in our time that we are in, God is calling up messengers and forerunners to say, I'm going to to partner with the word and bring it. um, So that people have a level of preparation and time to get ready in their hearts and minds because God can't change my heart and mind. So I got to do that on my own, but I can be inspired by the word and inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so John's purpose from the gospels, Matthew chapter three, verse three, you don't have to open it. um, There is A verse in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, that Isaiah prophesied hundreds of years prior, that the gospel writers, um, all of them are saying this actually, that what Isaiah was writing is about John, Um, and so Isaiah, when he was sitting there writing Isaiah chapter 40, (laughs) chapters probably came later, but he he most likely didn't know that this is going to be John the Baptist, but what is happening is um, the Holy Spirit is bringing these words that were prophesied hundreds of years ago into the present saying this is now, this is being fulfilled now, and so Matthew chapter 3 verse 3 says, Uh, This is about John, who was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make paths straight for him. Sandra prayed this morning, God, make crooked things straight. Straight out of the word. Mark chapter 1 verse 1 says the exact same thing about John the Baptist. But he adds in the beginning... I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. And then he says, again, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make the way for the Lord. Make paths straight for him. Now, Luke chapter 3, verse 4, I want to focus on. Exact same thing. Uh, it is written, this is about John, a voice of the one calling in the wilderness. I'm saying this for the third time. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. But then um, Luke, the writer Luke He adds in the next verse of Isaiah. So, up until now, it's been Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. He's adding verse 4, which says this, which is uh, an important part of the prophecy Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, and rough ways smooth, and all the people will see God's salvation. This is the message that John has been ordained to speak. He is saying that get ready because someone is coming. The Lord is coming. We know it's Jesus. And he is going to bring mountains that are up high, low. And he's going to break valleys that are down low, high. He's going to make crooked paths straight um, and rough ways smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. And this is the level of readiness and preparedness that we need in order to welcome Jesus. And do you know what? I, I feel like, you know, welcoming Jesus, we all do this. We, we come into a worship set. We're in our rooms at night. We're saying or doing our devotionals in the morning. Welcome, Jesus. Welcome. And it's so genuine. And it's so sincere. And it's so beautiful to the Lord. And God hears that. But there's a level of welcoming Jesus that requires repentance that we don't always get that part of the story, and so that's what I want to talk about this morning okay Whew. jesus in in um, in John chapter one verse fifteen it says this is i'm Basically, I'm just focusing on what the Gospels are saying about John's message because I want to later focus on John's message as a way for us to know how we can welcome and be ready for Jesus. I hope that makes sense. So John chapter 1, verse 15. John testified concerning Jesus. He cried out saying, this is the one I spoke about. This is Jesus um, who comes after me. Because he was before me. And out of fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. And then he says, John is saying, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth through Jesus Christ. Jesus came in truth and in grace. And repentance is basically accepting truth and grace. Let me explain this. Okay, so on... Over here, we have truth. We have truth. You know what? Uh, God is holy. Okay, Allah, God gave, God created his people. God is a God of love. His love was unfathomable to the human mind that we're gonna spend billions of years trying to figure out the love of God. God created you and I in love. He loves us so much, um, and he created us in love. He knitted us together in our mother's womb in love. Okay, that's truth. What else is truth? Truth is God is a holy God and requires holiness to be equally yoked with him, to be a family member of God, to be in relationship with God. Okay, what else is truth? Well, sin came into the human race that is now separating me from God. And, it's, and I can't be in a relationship with God where he's holy and I'm not. I'm not living in righteousness. Okay, what else is truth? Truth is, the law was given to Moses. A lot of it, when we read it, we're like, This doesn't make sense. Why? Why did the law have to look like this? I had a youth. um, She's 15, 16 years old. uh, Four weeks ago when we were still meeting, five weeks ago. And she said, Mel, I'm trying to read the book of Leviticus, but I don't get it. And can you give me some?" something to help me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, in five, four years, I've never had a youth, a teenager come up to me and say, Mel, help me understand Leviticus. I'm like, this girl has something on her life. But anyways, I just this past week, yes, four weeks later, sent her a whole understanding of Leviticus. Like this is the why behind it. Hopefully it's going to help you understand it. There's a lot of details, but this is kind of, this is the law. This is the law for people, and this is the law for the priests on how to live and behave in the holiness and in the presence of God. That was so important to God. Okay, that's truth. God loves us. He created us in love. Sin came, separated us from a holy God. The, the law was given to be able to have a relationship with God. What else is truth? Truth is, the law was not enough and it didn't work. We have hundreds of years of history to understand that it is not working. So Jesus came in truth, saying, I am going to fulfill this and stand in the place and make and make a way for you. So that's truth, and now we have grace. Jesus like I am grace. I am literally grace for your life that all you have to do is call in my name and you will be saved. The grace of God comes in. We cannot have grace without understanding truth. It doesn't make sense. If you're not understanding and living in truth, you don't need grace. Grace doesn't exist without truth. And so, I mean that's a that's a really big deal and a thing to understand. You know, you know grace is God coming and saying, I'm making a way for you to live in truth. So you can't have grace without truth. You can have truth without grace, but that's not the story of the Bible. That is not our God. That is not the character and nature of God and that's not who Jesus is. So, if you and I as Christians being like, "I am I'm a truth teller." And you're like, "Yes, I am telling the truth. I'm a black and white person and I will say it what it is for what it is and I will be very vocal and opinionated about truth." That is amazing. But not having grace, we're missing a big part of the story of God and his people and God's relationship with humanity. And actually, truth without grace, you're not really representing God very well. So we need truth and we need grace. Now, repentance, guys, I'm just, I'm just defining these words because they're big words in Christianity. And I realized working with youth that if you can just simplify it a little it's just easier to like to actually take it in and chew on it. Repentance acknowledges grace. So repentance is saying, or sorry, repentance acknowledges truth. Okay. The truth is the truth. If this truth is true and it's real, oh my goodness, I need to go low and I need to repent. But then repentance also welcomes grace because when you repent, the grace and power of God comes into our lives to be, for God to say, you are set free. You are in a place of right standing with me now. We can wake up every morning in the grace of God through repentance. Does that make sense? Sandra Long was saying this morning, you know, I love this picture. I can picture it in my head. Picture a bedroom. It's summer outside. We're not in the summer here in Canada. It's a bit cold. But it's the window's open. The sun's shining in. And you're just spreading a white sheet, freshly clean sheet on the bed. That is like every morning. Picture that. Like I can understand truth and through repentance live in that bedroom every day where the fresh sheet is being made every day repentance receives Jesus if Jesus came in grace grace and truth John is coming before him and say you got to repent so that that grace and that truth can be received into your life i hope this is making sense okay so the the life of John i just really this is not the purpose of this morning is to talk about repentance, but I do want to talk just a few minutes about the life of John because I don't know about you. I always read it and been like, "Why was he so weird? God, do I have to be weird? Do I have to live in a desert, eat locusts and honey, ugh, and and just wear weird clothes and be weird?" And uh, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you know, I and some there's a few things that John says that is really harsh. I'm like, man, if I lived in that time, I would be like, that is someone who's gone mentally insane. He went a little cuckoo and uh, went off the road a little, and he's just strange. And you know what? Crowds went out to him to hear his message, to receive his message, to get baptized, and to repent. But I'm like, man, God, like good for those crowds that went. Because if I lived in that time, I probably, knowing who I am, I'm like, things need to be perfect and normal and the message of God has to come in this perfectly wrapped present very neat that it can't offend my mind at all um but for some reason, John is just, he's hes uh, the messenger, but his delivery is just so weird. So anyways, I just want to just give a few different insights into what John was wearing and eating and saying that helps us understand. If you are going to read um, the Gospel of Luke this month, I encourage you to do that, or the, even just the the birth stories and the Christmas stories in all the Gospels, I just want to help you out with John. So the birth of John is only in uh, the Gospel of Luke, the conception of Elizabeth. Uh, f- first of all, I mean, we read the story, and like, can you imagine an 80-year-old woman pregnant? <laughs> um, n- no, no, Sandra's here like, oh, no, no. <laughs> I mean, you could be watching this, and you're an 80-year-old woman, and you're like, how could I be pregnant? <laughs> I, uh, I, I just, you know, the, the discomfort would be wild. Um, so I don't want to go into the story. It's a great story. There's a bit of comedy in it, I think. Um, Elizabeth's husband Zachariah didn't believe. The archangel Gabriel couldn't believe it, um, and so the angel said, "You know what? The Lord's going to shut your mouth for the duration of this pregnancy, so you have time to think about the word of the Lord. Clearly, you don't have a testimony in your mouth right now, so you're going to be silent for the next nine months." And uh, I don't know about you, but I I'm pretty sure there's some women that are like, "Man, if my husband can talk for my t- pregnancy." I mean, what a gift to Elizabeth. (laughs) Um, That would be great. You know, there's times when you're just, I've been pregnant twice, and it's like, there's nothing right now that my husband's saying or doing that is helping. My husband's here in the room, so I'm choosing my words carefully. And uh, a mute husband sometimes would be great, wouldn't it? Okay, I'm, I'm kidding. Babe, I love you. He's here in the building behind a camera somewhere. And so um, actually, he was great. He did the midnight runs to our convenience store for ice cream. And so he was great. Thank you for not being mute. But okay, I joke. So the birth, the conception of John is in the Gospel of Luke not going to talk about that there's a lot of points to take away from that um, but I just want to talk first of all about baptism so John the Baptist is uh we you know, you could say John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. I've heard our senior pastor, Steve Long, say, I like John the Baptizer. It makes more sense um, because it's not at all affiliated with the denomination of the Baptist church we have now. Um, that came hundreds and hundreds of years later, um, like a good 1,500, 1,600 years later. Um, but he was the John the Baptizer. And so John is baptizing people, and I, I you know sometimes we think, oh, baptism came through Christianity, but the Jew, Jewish people were doing that, and by the time Jesus came on the scene, there was a lot of different sects of SECTS different groups, different sects of um, Jew, Jewish people, different uh, groupings that kind of interpreted the law different ways and so there was one particular group of uh, Jewish people that re- that really focused and honed it on baptism. So the Jewish people were doing it. And do you know us in, as Christians, um, Jesus took the Passover meal and reinterpreted it to him. Um, eat my blood, <laughs> drink my blood, eat my body, and do this in remembrance of me. He reinterpreted the Passover meal for that. And so uh, it's the same with baptism. It was happening before. Jewish people were doing it as a way of cleansing. They were, there were, some groups of Jews were going and baptizing themselves every day before they could even go and worship God because they recognized that there was a level of uh, repentance and, cle- and cleansing that needed to happen before I got uh, to, in God's presence to worship him. Um, And so that is, Christians reinterpret that different now. So when we get baptized, we are basically saying, I am dying with Christ on the cross and then coming up as a new creation. And it's a symbolism of the cross and of Jesus. And so that's a whole other message. But um, John was baptizing people. It was a baptism of repentance. So go down, come back up. And it's, it's a cleansing. It's an it, if baptism is the outward expression, baptism, uh, repentance is the inward expression. So, you know, you you they went down and the water came out. That was just what was going on on the outside, but the inside was repentance. Um, and the last thing I just want to say really quickly about the life of John, just to help you guys understand it, is his clothing. So... It said that uh, all the Gospels, except for John, said that he wore, uh, like, clothing that was a material of a camel's hair, and it was, like, coarsely woven, and then he had a belt around his waist, um, and you know something is important when it's focused on. When has the clothing of a person been mentioned in the Gospels? Uh, very rarely. I can't think of, now, at the top of my mind, any other time where it was, There was emphasis on clothing. So this is a big deal. So what does John's clothing mean? Like he's wearing this like rugged, rough cloak with this leather belt. And, um, you know, there's different symbols. So, you know, this is like the simple life. John lived a simple life. And he's calling us to live a simple life. Um, He could also be... Kind of as a rebuke to the religious leaders and, and this a lot of the Jewish people were living in wealth um, but were greedy. And so he was kind of saying like this is the life God is calling us to, to generosity and to a simple life. But most importantly, for a Jewish audience reading this, they would be like, I know exactly why John is wearing this. In the Old Testament, it says the prophet Elijah wore very similar clothing, and it was emphasized that his cloak was made out of an animal's hair. It was coarsely woven, and there was a leather belt around his waist. I can give you the address uh, to that. 2 Kings uh, verse 1 to 8. He wore a garment of haircloth with a leather girdle. It is Elijah. Okay, the last verse of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi, We all know this part. It says, he will turn the hearts of the parents to the children, and the hearts of the children, or the fathers to the children, hearts of the children to the fathers, uh, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. We often know this, that the very last statement of the Old Testament, before 400 years of no, no, like, silence, basically, from God. Is that he's going to come and he's going to turn hearts of fathers back to children, children back to fathers. But the verse right before that says, see, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts. And so basically, all the Jewish people are waiting for Elijah to come back as a messenger. And so John wearing the clothing that Elijah wore hundreds and hundreds of years ago that is no longer Relevant or in style or fashion is basically saying I'm Elijah, and so a Jew, a Jewish person in that time would be like, Are you Elijah? Are you the one coming? That means the day of the Lord, which we know is Jesus coming, is very very soon. They're waiting for Elijah, and you know what? There are Jewish people still today that are waiting for Elijah to come first. I hope that makes sense to you. Um, and we can see in Matthew chapter 11, verse 8, Jesus said. Um, uh, if you weren't, you know, if you're willing to accept it, uh, what did he say? Uh, if you're willing to accept it, he, John, was Elijah. So basically Jesus just said he was the messenger. He's the fulfillment of Malachi chapter 4, verse uh, 5 and 6. And so, um, so John is the messenger that the prophet was talking about. So that's the reason for the close. And then, you know, Eating locusts and honey, <laughs> he he was living a very simple life in in the desert, um, and he was rebuking. It was a symbolic act of rebuke for the Jewish people that their hearts were not in right in a right place, but they were living lavishly, and so uh, John's like whole presentation and his whole life was actually a message of repentance. Um, okay. Not the Christmas story we were expecting, but it's December 6th. And so, you know what, we have the rest of the month to look at uh, angels and Jesus and, and the glory around all that. But repentance is so, so important. Okay, repentance welcomes Jesus. Now, let's talk about repentance really quickly. Uh, what do you think of when I say the word repentance? Well, I would say most most often I used to think repentance is Confessing to a pretty major sin, you had to have messed up really bad for repentance to be required. This is like you know, like like the the deadliest sins, the worst of the worst. Um, some of us might think of confession depending on our background. I go to a priest. I sit in a box. I confess my sins. Uh, I, there's a, a, definitely a place for confession. In our journey of repentance and and we do that here where there is a walking in the light and bringing something to the light um, with wisdom and to the right people so it it is confession is a part of it but it doesn't mean just confession repentance now what if I told you repentance is actually a change of mind a change of mind that's all it is um, It's changing. Let me let me just read this out. Changing your perspective, your mindset, the lens through which you are seeing situations, the lens or filter through which you are seeing God, the world, yourself, situations. Repentance is changing your mind, your mindset, your attitude, our filters, our lenses. Now, when I say that, I think it's a little bit easier to be like, "Oh my goodness, I need repentance like like 200 times a day." <laughs> um, so there is repentance—the day of our salvation, the day of your salvation—where in repentance you acknowledge truth, you acknowledge grace, and you receive Jesus. But repentance is a daily is a daily act. We need to have a genuine up-to-date relationship with Jesus that requires ongoing repentance daily. It's saying, do you know what? I'm acknowledging that the way I think, or there's a particular way of me thinking that is in error, that is not godly. And I actually need repentance to be able to to acknowledge it, repent, and then receive the grace and truth of Jesus who's coming to bring that. But repentance is saying there's actually something wrong going on up here. And it could be the simplest thing, but actually it requires repentance. And if, if we receive the message of repentance in our lives on a daily basis, this brings true, true transformation This is where our lives begin to look different. This is where in the New Testament it says, uh, I used to see through muddy glass and it's getting clear and clear and clear. Repentance is the only way to think and see the way God thinks and sees. A little bit more clear. A little bit more clear. A little bit more clear. But it requires repentance daily. John is saying you need repentance for, for Jesus to be able to come I want to look really quickly where it says in Isaiah chapter 40, and John is saying again, Jesus is coming to make mountains low and valleys high. The path is going to, the crooked path is going to be straight. And you know what, there's a lot of different ways we can interpret this. Um, I've read a like maybe five different commentaries because I'm like, what does this mean? And the one the one that I just want to focus on this morning is there, the mountains in our, I mean, this could be geographical. This could be situations in the world. But the mountains in our lives, in our hearts, are the things that have been exploded, that have been exaggerated, that have been blown up out of into such a proportion that it is blocking the view of truth in our lives. And for me personally, a mountain would be my emotions. I'm an emotional person. I told you I walked into this building, bawled my eyes out because you weren't here. Okay, I have a lot of emotions. I feel a lot of things. My husband could tell you that. Um, But there's a place you have to, you know, we need to feel our emotion. We need to acknowledge and we need to listen to the emotions. But there are times in my life where my emotions are this mountain and actually, I can't see or hear truth anymore because my emotions took the place of truth and took a place of God. And so a mountain being brought low is like, God, what has been exploded or exaggerated in my life that I that has strayed me off the path of truth? It made the path crooked. Okay, valleys low, bringing up high. There are, you know, one commentary I read, I love it. There are deficits in our soul that God wants to come and fill. There is pain that God wants to come and bring, or there's hope that God wants to come. There, there's deficits. There's a level of refreshing. There's a level of uh, we're missing something. I would say the love, of the the love of God that comes and changes us from orphans to sonship. Those are deficits. God wants to come and bring it high, and I just want to you know, or you know, orphan mindset to sonship is a whole other hours and hours on its own. But if we are living with an orphan mindset where we don't fully understand who we are and who God made us to be, and God is a God of love and I'm his kid, I can't repent. (laughs) I, like, you know, we need to walk... It's so hard to repent and be like, oh man, I'm an error because I'm living. I'm living as an orphan. I'm scared. I'm terrified. I don't know who God is. I don't know who I am. Everything is so terrifying. I'm just going to hide from repentance and receiving grace in my life. But sonship, understanding the love of God, what Jesus came to do, the grace and power of God. Okay, I can repent because I want to receive that power and that life into my life. Um, and so this is valleys being made up high. So. Mountains come low, valleys come up high, the crooked path becomes straight. This all happens through repentance, a change of mind, a change of mindset, so that when Jesus comes in grace and truth, I can see it, I can acknowledge it, I know it, I know it so well, and I'm gonna receive it in my life. And so, John is saying this is so, so important. And you know what? I think for the sake of time, I could keep going, but. Um, So John, you know, the the one thing that John said that, you know, I I used to have a hard time with is people were coming out to him, and he's like, you brood of vipers, you offspring of snakes, basically. And he's talking to the religious leaders coming out in the wilderness to see him, be like, okay, yeah, you know what, everyone's watching. It's that moment where you're a pastor in the front row, and the person speaking is like, oh, who here needs a little bit of grace from God, and you're like. I, you know, I guess I got to do this because I can't not do this. And so John is looking at those people saying, you know what, baptism, like you, 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 you offspring of snakes, <laughs> very harsh. But he's basically just saying, you know what, this is just an outward expression. Come get baptized. But man, your hearts are not right. Your hearts are not right. And John basically said, you can't say Abraham's your father and just live on that. And you know, we can look at that today and be like, you know, you can't just say I'm a Christian, you know, and not live an internal reality of repentance before the Lord to receive truth and grace of Jesus, you can't just, you know, be like, yeah, I'm a Christian, or you know, I did, I did, we have an awesome school ministry here at Catch the Fire, and uh, I I can't be like, you know what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, I did the school ministry, I am good. It's like a daily, ongoing thing, you can't rely on that John is saying, you can't rely. He's telling Jewish people, can't rely on Abraham being your father. You actually have to live this for yourself. Um, and then the people are like, John, well, what do we do? What do we do then? And then he actually, he's like, you know what? I'm talking about the internal reality of repentance. But let me give you some outward expression. And he talks to everyone saying, if you have two cloaks, give one to the poor. And then he talks to the tax collectors and says, um, don't take more money than what you're supposed to take. And he talks to the soldiers and says, um, you know, don't, don't intimidate people. Don't take bribes. Um, and so basically, I mean, the, the fascinating thing is, John is talking about money and resources. And I, I tell you, I, I find money is probably one of the most, most topics in the church that people get the most offended by. And can I just tell you, God offends our minds to reveal our hearts. And um, what we do with our money and our resources is so important. But John is also talking to the tax collectors and soldiers. He's talking to the people involved in systems. And um, I just want to be really honest with you. Four years ago, I became a pastor. And I'm like twenty, twenty-seven, twenty-eight 27, 28 years old. Um, and in my first year, I realized that I like, I found myself apologizing to a lot of people. And um, I'm like, man, I feel like the standard for me and what I'm doing or, you know, fixing what I'm not doing is just changed from two months ago not being a pastor to now being a pastor. Everything I say and do is being watched. And I'm having to, like, (laughs) apologize to so many people for hurting them. And I just, you know, it was very hard for me. Um, But it was only a year later where God was like, Mel, you are now working in a place that's a system. Like, that is a big deal. And so the standard for how you live your life, what you're doing, what you're not doing, changes. And you know what? It's okay because my grace and my power is going to come to empower you. But actually what I do now really matters because I'm representing a church. I'm representing a system. I'm representing God. Like setting up a place where people can come experience God, encounter God, learn about God. What I do is so important. And so I just want to say, you know what? A heart of repentance. First of all, for me personally, I'm like on the daily being like, God, show me where I'm an orphan. Move me into the realm of sonship. I know I'm loved by you. I know my worth, my value. Therefore, I can repent and actually be like, I want to I make things right. I want to bring mountains low, valleys high, and receive the grace and truth of Jesus Christ. All right, lots more information. I'm gone past the time, but I just want to um, ask you all this morning to ask God So Holy Spirit, wherever we are watching this right now, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us with a level of clarity that we have not had before. And Holy Spirit, come and enable us to live a life of repentance. And is there anything that we need to repent for? And um, I mean, this might be, I, I really hope this message is coming in a spirit of gentleness and kindness. But COVID this year, in my opinion, has been an accelerator for the things that have already been not okay in our hearts. And what do I mean by that? We've been put in a place where there's so much pressure coming because of the reality of what this virus has brought that the little bit of bitterness exploded this year. The little bit of unforgiveness or hurt exploded this year. The little bit of anger, oh my goodness, I'm with my wife every day, my kids, exploded this year. The little bit of doubt, oh my goodness, I don't know what's happening to my future anymore, exploded this year. The little bit of uh, fear or, you know, my my finances, my money has not been in a healthy place in my life. It's been, it's past the role of God in my life, it exploded this year because you know what, finances and all of you know, I know all of our stories are just so different, but I just feel like this year has been an accelerator for the things in our hearts and our lives. Myself, I raise my hand first. The things that were not okay, that were hiding behind busyness, hiding behind all the things I need to do, being out of the house every day, waking up at 6 a.m. you know what I mean? Like All of that kind of comes to a stop, and out of nowhere, things are growing in my heart that's not okay. And I just want to say, for all of us watching Christians, (laughs) may we spend this month in repentance to be like, God, I've I've done some things this year in error. I, I I have not reflected Christ, and I want to repent to receive grace and truth in my life. And I just, you know, the last thing Sandra Long said this morning, like, let's, we got to talk about our testimony. And I just feel like with COVID, with elections, um, with, you know, political leaders, and with changes in massive uh, ministries and churches in North America, I feel like Christians, um, not all of us, but I just, I wanna be really careful. We've, we've sit and done things behind a screen that is actually not reflecting the heart of God. And I wanna, I wanna challenge yourself, myself, the words that are coming out of our mouths. I know a lot of us feel I am called to correct, I am called to um, say it how it is and say what's wrong. Um, And I think there's, there's a place for that. But is the testimony of Jesus Christ in your life down here? And my need to correct and call and judge and talk about up here. And I want to encourage all of us watching this. Our testimony of who Jesus is, what he's done in our lives, what he's doing in our lives, what he's about to do. The glory and beauty of Jesus. That needs to be on the tips of our lips like that. It needs to be on the tips of our fingers when we're on our phones or on our and you know what? I think, I th- I really believe that there's a place for um, calling the body of Christ, calling p- politicians and leaders in our world higher. I do believe, but is where's our testimony of Jesus? Oh my goodness, God, forgive me. Like I I we we need to testify who Jesus is. Anyways. That, all that to say, Holy Spirit, reveal our hearts. This is a message of repentance where it's so easy to sit back and be like, I can tell you what everyone in my life needs to repent for. But for this morning, it's about you and the Lord. This is about you and the Holy Spirit. God, reveal my life where I've not reflected you. Where I need to bring mountains low, valleys high, paths straight, so that when Jesus shows up, I can actually recognize him in my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. Have an amazing morning. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in. Um, And wherever you are, I pray that you have an incredible week filled with peace, joy of the Holy Spirit. And we'll see you again next week. Be blessed.